Musical Man, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we will be discussing Crazy For You. Let me give you the lowdown, I'm crazy for you. But first, how are we doing? Hello and welcome to this, the latest episode of The Musical Man. Thank you so much for meeting with us each and every week to talk about Broadway musicals. Before we talk about Broadway musicals, I just want to take this moment to welcome Benny back to the show. Yes, we have Patty and Benny in the booth. Benny, I would say, based on our conversation earlier, that you are at about 90 to 95%. There was a conversation about whether or not, you know, you were prepared to come back. You insisted. You were more than ready, you said, to get back into the mix with the musical man. And so here you are. We have a sheet cake here for you. We're going to cut into that after the recording. After the recording is our vegetables. And then the sheet cake will be our dessert. Right, Benny? Yes, fantastic. So if you hear some errant coughing or a blowing of the nose in the sound mix, we were trying to deal with that, but it might come through a little bit. There might be a little bit of a bleed through there. But thank you for being here, Benny, and happy 26th birthday. I'm glad that my magical spell worked on you. And Patty, it is always a pleasure to see you. Thank you both for committing to this show week in and week out. Uh, we are here. We are here. And I am so happy to be here. I have a couple of recommendations for our listeners in this the opening segment of our podcast. First, I would like to recommend the MTV broadcast of Legally Blonde, the musical, which is available in full on YouTube. It's a delight. And then my second recommendation, if you're feeling a little down and you have Disney+, Plus, I would recommend their TV movie musical, Zombies. I watched it just last night. We're recording this on a Saturday. I watched it on a Friday. And I just thought it was a hoot and a holler. It's good for, you know, if you're eight, or if you're 80. Don't you love it when people say things like that? If you're 8 or you're 80. <laughs> that's what that's what I have to say about zombies. I genuinely did get a kick out of it. The choreography is so much fun. I really liked the production design. The story was a nice little treat. And, you know, there's a second one coming out this year in February that apparently involves werewolves. I watched... The trailer for that, I don't have a lot of confidence in that, but I didn't necessarily have a lot of confidence in the first one going in, and it proved me wrong. So hopefully they can, you know, match those expectations, exceed those expectations with the sequel. Interested to see what they do with that. Now we're going to close the opening segment. Oh, it's closed. And we're going to get the show facts for this week's subject, Crazy For You. Show me the show facts, please. Alrighty. Crazy For You was the 1992 winner of the Tony Award 
Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on February 19, 1992 at the Schubert Theater and ran for 1,622 performances. That places it at number 49 on Wikipedia's list of the longest-running Broadway shows between Born Yesterday at number 48, which ran for 1,642 performances, and Ain't Misbehavin' at number 50, which ran for 1,604 performances. Yes! Crazy For You was initially conceived by Ken Ludwig and Mike Ockrent, and it was inspired by material by Guy Bolton and John McGowan. The book was written by Ken Ludwig, and the music was written by George Gershwin. The musics were written by Ira Gershwin, with additional lyrics by Gus Kahn and Desmond Carter. The director of the original Broadway production of Crazy For You was Mike Ockrent. The musical director, Paul Gemignani. Oh, that's a familiar name, Paul. We've seen your name before, Paul. Welcome back, Paul. Choreographer, Susan Stroman. Scenic design, Robin Wagner. Lighting design, Paul Gallo. Sound design, Otis Munderlo. Munderlo. Costume design, William Ivy Long. And the original Broadway cast included Jody Benson, Harry Groner, Groner, Bruce Adler, John Hilner, Michelle Pock, Ron Carroll, Jane Connell, Beth Lebel, and and Stephen Temperley, and, ah, one more, Amelia White. The original Broadway cast production of Crazy For You won Best Musical, of course, Best Costume Design, William Ivy Long, and Best Choreography, Susan Stroman. It was additionally nominated for Best Book of a Musical, Ken Ludwig, Best Actor in a Musical, Harry Groner, Groner, Best Actress in a Musical, Jody Benson, Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Bruce Adler, Best Lighting Design, Paul Gallo, and Best Direction of a Musical, Mike Ockrent. So, now Nine nominations in total and three awards at the end of the night. Considering Crazy For You may have the most inconsequential plot of any musical to be nominated for a Tony Award, I think a strong argument could be made, I have decided to sum it up in ten points or less. Can it be done? Am I cutting corners? Yes. And... Yes, because shows like Crazy For You drive me batty, crazy one might say, and it's mainly because their plots are garbage. With that said, let's get started. Number one, it's the 1930s and we're in New York City. Bobby Child is our hero. He's the son of a wealthy banker, but he longs to dance in the Zangler Follies. Oh, yes. And so he ambushes Bella Zangler for an impromptu audition. The audition does not go well. My foot! Number two. Bobby's mother and fiance, Irene, encourage him to forget his silly dreams and commit to a life in banking. Bobby agrees to travel to the mining town of Dead Rock, Nevada, and accelerate the foreclosure of a local theater, if only so he can get away from the women in his life. Yeah, mothers and fiancés, they're such a fucking drag, am I right? Number three. The chief residents of Dead Rock are as follows. We have Everett Baker, who owns the theater and harbors fond memories of his late wife starring in its productions. We have Everett's daughter, Polly Baker, and we also have Lank Hawkins, who owns a saloon and has feelings for Polly. Bobby and Polly meet and fall for each other instantly, much like you do in a musical, much to the chagrin of Lank. 
However, when Polly realizes Bobby is from the bank, she calls off the romance before it can even get started. But our Bobby cannot be denied, and so he adopts a disguise. A disguise! How Shakespearean! He tells everyone he is Bella Zangler, and he suggests that a show be mounted, a show so great that it will save the theater. What an idea! Broadway showgirls on break from the Zangler Follies are brought in to perform alongside the local cowboys, and despite a rocky start, the show slowly comes together. Did I say that was number four? That was number four. Let's talk about number five. Number five! There are, of course, complications, yeah? Polly falls in love with Bobby's version of Zangler, Lank is constantly trying to shoot Bobby for wooing Polly, and Irene shows up in Nevada, which could expose Bobby at any given godforsaken moment. Number six. Opening night of the Dead Rock Review sees a low turnout, to say the least. The only people in attendance are Eugene and Patricia Fodor, actual historical figures who wrote travel guides in the early days of the 20th century, though the real Fodors were Hungarian, not British, as crazy for you would assert. The theater may be barreling toward foreclosure, but the townspeople are happy to have put on the show. Number seven, Bobby tries to reveal his true identity to Polly, but when the truth eventually comes out, she is incensed. Incensed! Irene begs for Bobby's affections, and when he turns her down flat, she winds up seducing Lank. Ah! The townspeople convene to review their options, and the Fodors inspire them to keep fighting for their theater. This results in the number stiff upper lip, during which the cast recreates... The Barricade from Les Miserables. That's right, Les Miserables, which opened in 1987. And if you think Les Mis jokes are still fresh after five years, well, you're a kinder person than myself. Number eight. Did I mention the real Bella Zangler showed up during all of this hubbub? Well, he did, and he agrees to produce more reviews in Dead Rock. He may also pay off the theater's debts. I'm not really sure about that. But Bobby has already returned to New York and his life as a dejected banker and and Polly has learned all too late that she's come to care for him, so it would seem a happy ending is not in the cards. But wait, we still have two more points at our disposal. Points nine and ten! Ah, oh, fuck it, let's use them. Number nine, Bobby's mother buys the Zangler Theater as a present for her son, as Bella Zangler has poured all of his resources into Dead Rock. Bobby and his mama rush off to Dead Rock, just as Polly decides to leave for New York City, and they miss each other in the process. Oh, how are these two zany kids ever going to wind up together? Well, let's see. Number 10. Upon arriving in Dead Rock, Bobby's mother falls in love with Everett, who is Polly's father, as a reminder. Polly returns to the mining town shortly thereafter, and before you can say, kiss my sugar britches, she's back in Bobby's arms, there to stay forevermore. Yay! We're together! We can fuck now! And... Our parents are together as well, and they're fucking too! Yay! That's... No, that's... It's fine. No, we're not really step-siblings at this point. No, it's fine. It's fine. It should be noted that Crazy For You is basically a remake of the 1930 Gershwin musical Girl Crazy, a Broadway production that turned Ginger Rogers into a star and served as the stage debut 
for Ethel Merman. Wikipedia describes Crazy For You as a, quote, heavily revised version, quote, of Girl Crazy that features, quote, a completely new plot, quote. But they're largely the same. In Girl Crazy, a young man sent to manage his father's ranch is inspired to turn it into a local hotspot, one that employs Broadway showgirls and attracts tourists from far and wide. The plots diverge when it comes to the finer details, but both musicals share the same let's put on a show spine. Girl Crazy was adapted for the silver screen not once, but thrice, in 1932, 1943, and 1965, at which time the title was changed to When the Boys Meet the Girls. Of these adaptations, only the 1943 film, which starred Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland, is remotely faithful to the Broadway plot. The 1932 film features a totally different story, and the one from 1965 involves turning the ranch into a getaway for divorcees. For the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 1992 original Broadway cast album. Now, I don't mean for this to become a whole thing, but I'm pretty sure I've developed a minor allergic reaction to the cover art for this album. There's something about it that elicits a strong, confident no from me, and I think it's the fact that the man and woman on the cover in the art have these glassy orbs for heads. They're like giant fishbowls. They have giant fishbowl heads. Those heads are way too round, too shiny, and I hate them. This album art in general is far too cloying, and when I see it, I want to lock myself in a bathroom stall. Go away, you malformed Tintin rejects. I have no time for you. I also watched the 1992 Tony Awards performance of I Can't Be Bothered Now, and Who Could Ask For Anything More? Absolutely no attempt is made to address the plot of Crazy For You during the introduction of this performance. Instead, Glenn Close calls for the set to be brought out piece by piece, and the audience actively gasps as everything comes together. Why, there's a car on stage, and those buildings, they're ever so large. It's like we're practically there, wouldn't you say, Harold? And if the set fails to dazzle, we have a dozen dancing girls in flamingo pink ready to tumble out of that car, and Jody Benson's gown is sure to send all the hearts aflutter. Still on the fence? We got a whole stage picture where the girls turn into upright bases. Come on, girls as props. Girls as props, what's not to love? I also checked the Chicago Public Library system, and I had no luck tracking down the show's book. Alas and alack, shucks almighty, ya failed me again, CPL. Thanks for looking out for me, CPL. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Now, of course, we are going to talk about the score, but before anything else is said, I just want to say this. There is way too much tap dancing in this show and on this album. Too much. Clickety-clack. Clickety-clack. Clack, clack, click, clack. Click, clack. Enough. Stop it. Enough already. Now, at the risk of sounding glib, listening to the Crazy For You score was a thoroughly stultifying experience. I may as well have listened to it play out in another room through a concrete wall for all the impression it made on me. It couldn't even manage to get under my skin or push my buttons the way Swinging on a Star did, for example. At least with that show, I was morbidly curious to write out the album and see where it would take me. 
Crazy Free You by comparison was a tedious bore from start to finish. After a while, I began to wonder what exactly I would talk about today when I sat down in front of this here mic, as nearly every track felt like the same spoonful of room temperature rice pudding sliding in one ear and out the other. My skull became a receptacle, a transport system for sloppy rice pudding. But I knew I couldn't write the show off entirely and casually skip over this part of the podcast, and so I have elected to talk about three tracks from the OBC album. Even that feels like a bit of a stretch, but it's better than drawing the episode out and acting as if I have more to say than I do. You can't fake enthusiasm. I wouldn't want to try, and you wouldn't want to hear me try, so if it's okay with you, we'll move through these three tracks and then call it a day. I suppose I will go through all of the songs that are on the album. Uh, Why not? We have the overture. We have Crazy For You. I can't be bothered now. Bide my time. Things are looking up. Someone to watch over me. Could you use me? Shall we dance? Entrance to Nevada. Slap that bass. Embraceable you. Tonight's the night. I got rhythm. We got the Entract, uh, which is also known as the Rialto Ripples. All right. The Real American Folk Song is a rag. What causes that? Naughty baby. Stiff upper lip. They can't take that away from me, but not for me. Uh, We got a reprise, but not for me. New York Interlude. Concerto in F. Nice work if you can get it. Bye to my time. The French reprise. A reprise of Things Are Looking Up, and then we have the finale. All right. And the three songs we're going to be talking about from that list today are Someone to Watch Over Me, What Causes That, and But Not For Me. So, Patty and Benny, without any further babble from myself, can we please get that clip of Someone to Watch Over Me? There's a somebody I'm longing to see. I hope that he turns out to be someone who Oh. 
Jody Benson's performance as Polly wound up being the lighthouse that allowed me to wade through the fog that is this album. I know the Gershwin songbook is beyond reproach in the eyes of many, but I am not one of those people. The up-tempo tunes sound like they should be performed on the ribs of a black-and-white cartoon horse, and the ballads do nothing more than cause me to stare into the middle distance until they are over. What I'm saying is that getting me to pay attention to this material is a challenge, one that Jody Benson is more than capable of overcoming. I really enjoy her rendition of Someone to Watch Over Me because she isn't taking for granted that listeners will already have an affection for the all-too-familiar melody. This isn't a recitation. It's a true blue character piece fueled by that special brand of musical theater yearning we all love so much. Benson's voice stretches toward the sky, reaching, wanting, asking, straining to preserve the slight bit of hope this melancholy character has left. It's quite good, and I am happy to have heard it. Next song, What Causes That? Go! When I'm away from her, I start despairing. Oh, 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 oh. You ought to know by now what causes that. I got pretty good idea. I'm going bolder from the hair I'm tearing. She. You ought to know by now what causes that. When she keeps on brushing you aside, oh gosh, you're all at sea. You go contemplating suicide, it's much too much for me. You're not so dumb that you don't know the answer. Loving her is what causes that. Yeah, yeah. I should climb the Brooklyn Bridge and jump off. Wait, you hurt yourself, there. That's the idea. Oh, I suppose you ask what causes that. You're right, I might. Right. Right. If I should get a gun and bump this jump Step off. this way. Oh, I see. Oh, I suppose you ask what causes that. What causes that, which sees Bobby interacting with Bella Zangler while dressed as Bella Zangler, seems... It seems funny, right? I mean, you you heard the clip. It seems funny enough, yeah? You can picture this working on stage, huh? Generating a few scattered, timid, charitable laughs from the audience. It's like a weak sauce version of Brush Up Your Shakespeare from Kiss Me Kate, a radically reduced, thoroughly diluted, all right, that's enough version of Brush Up Your Shakespeare. I truly had no idea how much I treasured the two-man hijinks of Brush until I sat through this number. I'm only bringing it up because this was the one instance where I thought to be amused. I was never actually amused while listening to the hijinks from this album, but the fact that I consider amusement was a strong enough reaction to warrant discussion, apparently. Next song, final song, three of three, but not for me, go. Old man sunshine, listen you. Never tell me dreams come true. Just try it, and I'll start a riot. I'm certain it's the final curtain. I never want to hear from any cheerful Pollyannas who tell you supplies a mate it's all bananas 
Patty and Benny. The song, but not for me, includes the following lyrics. I never want to hear from any cheerful Pollyannas who tell you fate supplies a mate. It's all bananas. Jody Benson delivers the word bananas like she's placing a lily at her mother's grave. And to her credit, I totally buy it. Find yourself another performer who can transform the word bananas into a soliloquy and you'll have found yourself an honest-to-God star. Can any of us infuse a word like bananas with this much pathos, pathos, pathos? We absolutely cannot. It's one of the rare moments from this album that made me sit up and take notice. Did I just hear the word bananas? I gotta hear that again. While we're here, let's get the conclusion to But Not For Me, if only so we can get a bit more from Miss Benson. Why the hell not, right? We only live once. Take it away. It started off so swell. This let's pretend. It all began so well. But what an end. The climax of... That's it. Oh, wait, I do want to say in regards to the track finale, the finale track on this album, I was already feeling worn out and impatient when the finale came bumbling along, and it didn't help how my copy of the album began to skip incessantly during my session with it. Do you enjoy feeling as if you're having a panic attack within a defective Matrix goo pod? Of course not. Only goo pod Matrix maniacs would enjoy that shit. I get it, crazy for you, album. The album that I own, the copy that I own, you're actively hostile toward me. You don't want me to be listening to you anymore. Believe me, the feeling is, was, is mutual. Now, many of the songs found within Crazy For You were pulled from other Gershwin stage and film projects, so I wanted to make sure we cited those sources now. So, the Real American Folk Song is a Rag is originally from the 1918 Broadway musical Ladies First. Now, the Gershwins wrote that song for that musical, but primarily the music and lyrics were by the following duo, A. Baldwin Sloan and Harry B. Smith. So, the Gershwins sort of had a cameo musical appearance with the real American folk song is a rag. Moving on, the song Naughty Baby is from the 1924 West End musical Primrose. The song Someone to Watch Over Me was originally featured in the 1926 Broadway musical OK. 
Crazy for You and What Causes That are from the 1928 Broadway musical Treasure Girl. Bye to My Time, Could You Use Me, Embraceable You, I Got Rhythm, and But Not For Me are from Girl Crazy. We've talked about that. That's the 1930 Broadway show. Crazy for You is essentially a remake of that show, as you will recall. I Can't Be Bothered Now, Things Are Looking Up, Stiff Upper Lip, and Nice Work If You Can Get It. Well, all of those are from the 1937 Fred Astaire, Joan Fontaine film, A Damsel in Distress, and Shall We Dance, Slap That Bass, and They Can't Take That Away From Me, are from the 1937 Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers film, Shall We Dance. Crazy For You is also one of four major Gershwin package shows, the other three being Nice Work If You Can Get It, My One and Only, and the stage adaptation of An American in Paris. Of course, the Gershwin trunk is only so deep, so there's quite a bit of overlap when it comes to the songs that are used in each production. Here's a quick, and I, I put an emphasis on that, quick and likely incomplete, okay? Likely incomplete, but I tried to be as thorough as possible here. Here's a breakdown of that overlap. Someone to Watch Over Me is featured in both Crazy For You and Nice Work If You Can Get It. I Got Rhythm is featured in both Crazy For You and An American in Paris. It's Wonderful is featured in both Nice Work If You Can Get It and An American in Paris and My One and Only. Shall We Dance is in Crazy For You and An American in Paris. They can't take that away from me. Crazy For You and An American in Paris. Nice Work If You Can Get It. Crazy For You and Nice Work If You Can Get It and My One and Only. But Not For Me is in Crazy For You and Nice Work If You Can Get It and An American in Paris. I Can't Be Bothered Now is in Crazy For You and My One and Only. And Blah 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 is in Nice Work If You Can Get It and My One and Only. One could argue that maybe we've heard enough of these songs and maybe we'll hear one such argument after this musical shout-out for our Patreon donor, Mark S. Take it away, musical shout-out! to place a bet. I would like to place a bet on a cross-eyed strumpet in the third race. That's coming up. Yes, correct? Thank you very much. I would like to place a 500,000 pound bet on a cross-eyed strumpet. All right. Now, and when is that race about to begin? I know you said it was, it was about to begin almost eminently, immediately, imminently. Yes. All right. Thank you very much. In just a few moments. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, may I say that mustache is not working for you. It's not posh, my dear boy. It's not posh. I would shave it off. I would shave it off, my dear boy. And that's just one tip from me, Eliza Doolittle. Hello, it's me, Eliza Doolittle. Thank you for holding the mic up. I'm wearing gloves. I can't be bothered with it. I, I, when I say shave it off, I mean shave it off now, my dear boy. No, 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 go away. Go away from the counter. I can't bear to look at you. Look at me. I'm wearing all white. I have white gloves and a white hat and a white dress and white shoes, yes? and a white pearl necklace, and I have a white lace veil just falling down from my hat. I can still see the dark shadow of your mustache. It's like a blot in my periphery, and I need to focus on this musical shout-out and the race. Yes, the race. Cross-eyed strumpet to win the third race. All right. So I do apologize. Thank you so much for holding this solid white microphone up to my mouth. Oh, thank you very much. So I am Eliza Doolittle, of course, from My Fair Lady. You've heard from me once before. Isn't that right? And now 
Now, I only have a few moments, Mark, before this race begins for cross-eyed strumpet. It's a very important race to me. And so I want to sing a little song for you. You might recognize the... Oh, no! Okay, okay, the race is starting, so... <clears throat> oh, yes. I could have danced with Mark. I could have danced with Mark. And never danced. All right, all right, cross-eyed strumpet. Get your bloomin' ass in gear, all right? Move your fucking tail, all right? I support horses and I support jockeys, but I'm not going to... I'm going to turn you into a bottle of glue if you don't get your fucking ass moving. And why haven't you shaved that fucking moustache off yet? You tripass trotter piece of shit. Get out of my fucking face. You're distracting me. I, I do apologize. Thank you very much. I'm very invested in this horse race. No, where was I? I could have danced with Mark. I could have danced. All right, you stupid motherfuckers. Get your fucking hats and fucking hats out of my face. I can't see the fuck. I will stab you in between the ribs. I will stab you like I stabbed Jesus in my dreams. I swear to God, I'm a violent woman. I'm a real violent woman and I'll wring your fucking necks like the oily rags down at the docks. Do you know how many fucking firebombs, Molotov cocktails I've made in my time? Fuck you and fuck me. Get out of my fucking way. I do apologize, Mark. I just keep getting distracted. I could have danced all night. Oh, fuck yes. All right. Yes, go. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, cross-eyed strumpet. Oi, 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 oi. Go. have to excuse me, Mark. I just get so excited turning these races. Where was I? Oh yes, thank you for thank you for donating each and every week. I do apologize. The you know you can take the cockney out of the girl, but you can't take the girl out of the cockney or whatever they say. I am quite drunk. I'm quite drunk, so I'm going to lay down as a horizontal line on this bench. I'm going to lay down in a horizontal line. And you, young man, where is my money? Bring me my money. And I swear to God, if it is brought to me with a man's face bearing a mustache. I will fucking kill you. Do you remember the comment I made earlier about Jesus and the stabbing of the ribs? I'm a religious woman, you know. I'll fucking kill you. All right? I'll fucking kill you. Thank you so much, Mark. I have to deal with this now. Goodbye. I will rip that mustache off your goddamn skull. I will tan your skull in the sun of the fucking Lord sky. I will. Final thoughts regarding Crazy For You. Crazy For You is... A jukebox musical. We tend to think of jukebox musicals as pulling from the catalogs of more modern sources while allowing shows like Crazy For You to exist in this hazily defined but altogether separate genre, and I'm tired of that sloppy distinction. Crazy For You is not a pastiche or homage or throwback to the halcyon days of classy entertainment almost no one has a living reference for in 2020. It is just as derivative, if not more so, than every other jukebox musical in the canon. And I'm not saying that that is necessarily a bad thing. I'm not against jukebox musicals on principle. That would be a wrong-headed and overly dismissive, needlessly dismissive stance to take. But I know what is and is not my cup of tea, and these shows that repackage the same 10 to 15 songs, songs I never much liked in the first place, are most assuredly not in my cup. 
I don't need Cole Porter's catalog recycled for the purposes of high society or Roman holiday. I do not need Irving Berlin reheated in the form of Top Hat or White Christmas or Holiday Inn, and I certainly don't need to see these Gershwin tunes popping up in playbills for the rest of my life for the next 50 years. You can name the white guy Bobby or Billy. You can name the white girl Polly or Edie. You can set it in a penthouse or on a dude ranch. I don't care because it's all the same dry martini backwash to me. No more. I'm putting an end to it. You can hang the newly wrung out songs of literally any other artist on your flimsy laundry line of a libretto, but Porter, Berlin, and the Gershwins, they are officially off limits. Let them rest in their graves. I suppose now would be a good time to apologize to all the diehard Gershwin fans out there. The last thing I want to do is rain on your parade or imply that liking crazy for you is some mark of inferiority. So I'll underline this phrase again. This just ain't my cup of tea. My cup of tea has a lot of musicals in it, and Crazy For You ain't one of them. Now, as a reminder, in 1992, Crazy For You walked home with the Tony Award for Best Musical, and the other shows nominated that season were Falsettos, Five Guys Named Mo, and Jelly's Last Jam. Now, Falsettos won the Tony Award for Best Original Score, and the award for Best Direction of a Musical went to Jerry Zaks for his work on the Guys and Dolls revival. When you consider this and the fact that that none of the Crazy For You acting nominations resulted in victories, I think it's safe to say that love for the show was tempered, limited. My guess is that it barely eked out a Best Musical win over Falsettos, and so I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to correct history. Falsettos, you are the Best Musical of the 91-92 season, so let it be written! And so, the time comes for us to rank Crazy For You against all of the other musicals that we have talked about here on the podcast. I am crazy for you in our number 40 slot right below swinging on a star at number 39 and right above south pacific at number 41 show related ephemera well we got a nice little clip here for you this week we're gonna play a bit of the gershwin song i got rhythm as performed by the 1960s group the happenings this is specifically from their appearance on a 1967 episode of the smothers brothers show patty benny can we hear a little bit of this cover of I got rhythm. fun. That's a delightful ripoff of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, but it's a delightful cover nonetheless. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rodgers and Hammerstein show, Milkman, Fireman, Policeman, Woman? Everyone ready? Then away we go! Oh, 
All right, we are stepping off of the musical carousel. I am taking in my surroundings. I am, you know, putting my ducks in a row. Let's see where we are. Let's see where we are. Okay, musical carousel. We can't talk about Tootsie again. Okay, we're playing this game, carousel. I'm going to take another trip on you. We're not going to play the theme again, but we're going to take another trip. Oh, okay, so where are we now? Let's see. We're, I'm getting my bearings. I'm putting my ducks in a row. I am finding out where we are. And we are... Oh, Oh, goodness. Okay, so we are going to obey. Okay, obey, oppa. We're going to talk about a show that only ran for 53 performances, and this was a nominee in 1983 for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and that show is Blues in the Night. We're going to be talking about Blues in the Night the next time we meet. Now, as a point of reference, that will be the 50th musical we discuss here on the podcast, and that episode is going to drop on Wednesday, February 5th, okay? So we're going to take a break, a one-week break in the main feed, because I'm going to be committing this next week. I'm going to put all of my attention on the season finale for The Snub Club. Now, if you're new to the podcast, you might be wondering, what's The Snub Club? Well, I'll tell you in a second, because we're going to start talking about the Patreon page, baby. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. Once again, that's patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month, you get a verbal shout out each and every week here on the podcast. Let's do some verbal shout outs now. Thank you so much for donating. Marques, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. One dollar a month tier donors also get bonus episodes covering the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, and a full review of the film Cats. Now, if you donate $3 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. You heard one such musical shout-out this week, and you also get access to Wild Cats Everywhere, the bi-weekly high school musical podcast. That's right, baby! Now, if you donate $5 a month, what do you get? Well, you get everything we've already described Plus, you are able to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss here on the podcast. You get to do that once, one-time opportunity. And you also get access to Season 1, 12 episodes of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. And you get access to our ongoing Broadway in Chicago series. That's right, Broadway in Chicago. We have reviews of Oslo and Mean Girls at this point in that feed. And the next subject will be Once on This Island. Yeah. Now, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already mentioned, plus that series that you're curious about, The Snub Club. The Snub Club is a monthly series talking about musicals that were never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. And the season finale, which drops on January 29th, that's going to be dedicated to Jesus Christ Superstar. And the other 11 episodes in that season are dedicated to Amelie, Merrily We Roll Along, Flahooly, American Psycho, Be More Chill, Jekyll and Hyde, Allegiance, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, The Bridges of Madison County, A Doll's Life, and Aida. So, if you can't get enough of our full-length show discussions, you can get 12 more shows uh, just by donating $10 a month. It's true. You know, we got a lot of other incentives planned for these various tiers, and we're going to be announcing 
replacing those as time goes on. Now, you might be wondering, oh, if I don't have my money, where does that go? Well, it's going to go toward the purchase of cast recordings, movie rentals. It also helps to offset the cost of being hosted through Podbean. And if we ever get to the point where we're bringing in $100 or more in total donations, well, that's going to result in me producing M3, The Movie Musical Man, a monthly series for which I will watch trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. If you are listening to the show through Apple Podcasts, thank you so much. Please take the moment, take this moment, to write a five-star review. Write out why you love the show. We have 28 five-star reviews, and once we get to 30, I will post, I will record, and then post, (laughs) that's how it works, a special episode dedicated to Disney's Descendants trilogy. You can also stream the show at musicalmanpod.podbean.com and or Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny in the booth, Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and Zach Little for our fabulous music. Ah, there's that doorbell. Ah, you know what that sound means, though. Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, Athenishen, and good night. a good time to apologize to all the diehard Gershwin fans out there. The last thing I want to do is rain on your parade or imply that liking crazy for you is some mark of inferiority that you have to wear. So I'll underline this phrase again. This just... Uh, Woo! My foot! <laughs>